thank you, Mr. President, for uh, giving an opportunity for this uh, interview. And I will start with uh, the recent um, tragic events in Aleppo, uh, where the majority of those killed and wounded were uh, children. Uh, uh, who do you think organized this crime and uh, on what purpose? Uh, a few months ago, the same agreement was about to be implemented. But uh, as you know, you're talking about different factions. All of them are linked to Al-Qaeda or Al-Nusra uh, front. And one of those factions uh, attacked the buses that wanted to transport the same uh, civilians outside of uh, Fouan Kafraya, beside Aleppo. Uh, and they attacked those buses and they, they burned them. And that was, it was uh, shown on the internet where they said, we won't allow this reconciliation to happen. We're going to kill every civilian that wants to use the buses. And that's what happened when we thought that everything is ready to implement that reconciliation. They did what they announced for. And uh, they are on Nusra front. They, no, they, they, uh, they didn't hide uh, themselves from the very beginning. And uh, I think everybody agreed that this is uh, an Nusra. Any specific uh, group or al-Nusra itself? No, because when you talk about al-Nusra, their ideology, so different names, and as you know, al-Nusra itself changed its name. Yes. So different names doesn't mean change the ideology or the behavior or the course of uh, killing. So it doesn't matter what the name. And how many people have died since the beginning of the war at this uh, point? Actually, you can talk only about official numbers. It's tens of thousands, not like what you hear in the media about uh, hundreds of thousands. Of course, we, we can talk about uh, thousands of missing people that we don't know anything about their uh, fate. Uh, this is the official number. But in the West, of course, they add altogether the number of the terrorists. And a uh, large amount of the terrorists, of course, they're not registered at the uh, state mm -hmm. who, uh, as uh, killed or dead. Uh, the same uh, thing about uh, the foreigners who came to Syria in, uh, again, tens or maybe hundreds of thousands to fight. So uh, the number that you've, we've been hearing in the uh, Western media during the last six years were not precise at all, only to inflate the number just to show how horrible the situation, to use it as a humanitarian pretext to intervene in Syria. So uh, as a state, we only talk about tens of thousands of uh, victims till this moment. So you're uh, not agreeing with the number that uh, the United Nat Nations give? Uh, no, because the United Nations doesn't have any means to calculate the number. And actually no one has, as I said, because you're talking about uh, different factions, foreigners and Syrians and terrorists and so on. So it's complicated to tell. So the only thing that we have are the official uh, records. Of course, it's, it, 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 it must be higher than the official record but we cannot uh, just estimate and give any number. I see. Uh, yesterday there were reports that uh, al-Baghdadi was uh, captured by the Russian and the Syrian military at the border of uh, Syria and Iraq. Can you confirm it or...? No, no, that's no. not true. That's not true? No, no, that's not true. Anyway, uh, those borders are under the control of ISIS till that moment. It's uh, neither Syria nor Russian, uh, not even uh, Western or American or any other one. It's only ISIS who's controlling those borders. So it's safe for Baghdadi to be in that area. All right. So uh, Damascus has said that it is ready for uh, the mission of organization for prohibition of uh, chemical weapon to come and to 
investigate the Han Shaihun incident. Have there been uh, any contacts between you and uh, this organization and yeah. what are the possible dates for the arrival of the first team of experts? Actually, since the first attack a few years ago that happened in Aleppo by the terrorists against our army, we asked the uh, United Nations to send uh, investigation delegation in order to, to prove what we said uh, about uh, the terrorists having uh, uh, gases used against our army. And later, many incidents happened in that way, and they didn't send any uh, delegation. The same now. We formally sent a letter to the United Nations for them. We asked them in that letter to send a uh, delegation in order to investigate what, uh, what happened in uh, Khan Shekhun. Of course, till that moment, they didn't send because the West and the United States blocked any delegation from coming. Because if they come, they will find that all their narrative about what happened in Khan Shekhun and then the attack on Shairat uh, airport was false flag, was a lie. That's why they didn't send. Now, the only contact, I think, is between Russia and maybe the other country in order to, to send that delegation. Till this moment, we didn't have any positive news regarding any delegation coming. What is your uh, view of what happened there? Because there were a lot of um, different reports of different kinds and exactly. misinterpretation and uh, accusation of uh, fake news. So yeah. what, what happened there according to, to your information? Actually, that area is under the control of Al-Nusra Front, which is Al-Qaeda. The only information the whole world has is what this organization or this group, which is Al-Nusra, published on YouTube, on the Internet in general, and in different uh, uh, outlets, mainly Western outlets. So we cannot base our judgment on their reports. First of all, we don't know if the site that we attacked that day, half an hour before noon, about 11.30, was a chemical uh, warehouse or depot or anything uh, like this. Uh, and their story said that the attack happened at 6, 6.30 in the morning. We didn't have any, we didn't launch any attack at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have two possibilities. The first one, that there was an attack at lunchtime or at about 11.30. The other possibility that we believe in, that it was false flag, there was no attack. All what we saw as pictures and videos was like the video that we've been seeing for the last year or two years and, and or more uh, regarding the white helmets, uh, the humanitarian Al-Qaeda, which is uh, uh, elusive. Uh, story, let's say, which doesn't exist anyway. And uh, the, the picture that shows children being killed by Russian air to airstrike to discover later that it wasn't real picture. They put a boy, they put, uh, uh, they covered him with the mud and uh, blood, the fake blood, of course, yes. and so on. All this uh, ploy could be part of them. This could be part of them. That's what we believe in because the attack was already prepared. And they didn't want to listen. They didn't want to investigate. They only wanted to launch the attack. We believe it was false flag for one reason, and simple reason. If there was gas leakage mm -hmm. or attack, uh, and you're talking about 60 dead in that city, how 
could the city continue its life normally? They didn't evacuate the city. No one left the city. Life continued as normal. And this is mass destruction. The other day they attacked uh, Shwairat, where they said there was the gas depots, mm -hmm. and they attacked all the depots, and there was no gas coming out of that airport. No one of our army officers or staff, military staff, was affected by any gas. So for us, there was no gas attack and no gas depot. It was false flag play mm -hmm. just to justify uh, the attack on the Sherat uh, uh, base. That's so what happened. The, the main version is that no chemical weapons or no chemical, no chemicals were uh, used there. No, I mean, even, even if you look at the pictures, you can see that the rescuers, the presumable rescuers, were rescuing people without masks, without gloves, and uh, they were moving freely. Yes. How? This is uh, uh, against uh, all the uh, specifications of the sarin gas that they talked about. They cannot. They would have been dead like the others. And you don't know that those people who are lying on the ground were dead or not. You can uh, fake this image. You can, you can, very easy. So you cannot just base your judgment on images and videos, made, especially made by Al-Qaeda. And is there uh, a threat of uh, using of chemical weapons by the terrorists? And if so, from where do they get it? From which countries? Uh, from Turkey. Directly from Turkey. And uh, there was evidence uh, regarding this. Uh, some of them being shown, shown on the internet a few years ago. Uh, you had many uh, parties and uh, parliament members in Turkey who questioned the government regarding uh, those allegations. So it's not something hidden. Uh, many in Syria knew that and the only way, the only route for the terrorists to get uh, money, armaments, uh, every logistic support, recruit, uh, and this kind of uh, material is through Turkey. They don't have any other way to come from the north. So uh, it's definitely 100% Turkey. I see. And uh, regarding uh, Turkey, you've mentioned so in the north of Aleppo, in Al-Bab, uh, the Syrian army is facing uh, Turkey forces uh, that have invaded Syria in breach of international law. Uh, will the Syrian army undertake any action to, to put an end to this Turkish inter intervention? And uh, if so, uh, when and how this yeah. could take place? When you talk about the Turkish invasion, when you talk about the American troops, again, it's invasion. And when you talk about the terrorists on the ground, is one entity. There's no difference. There's one master who's controlling all these factions. So the priority now is to defeat the terrorists. When you defeat the terrorists, the Turkish army and any other army will be weak on the ground. Their real strength are their proxies, not their own army. In that regard, when you defeat the terrorists in different areas, it's going to be very easy to expel any other one, including the Turks. Either they leave, or it's your land. You have to defend it. You have to go and fight. You can't say uh, they can stay, or let's negotiate. No, you don't negotiate. It's your land. You defend it. You expel them. You fight them. But the priority now is to fight their proxies, because they are the strongest element on the ground. Do you think that there can be an improvement in the bilateral relations between Syria and the United States? We always try to, to look at the full half of the cup. 
but we don't we, we couldn't find it. <laughs> we we tried to see anything positive. Uh, we said that what uh, this president Trump, uh, uh, well, what he said, we said promising. I describe it as promising. A few months ago, uh, but actually, it's not about what they promise because we all we, we, we all know that the American officials say something and do something different. Uh, they never committed to to their promises or to their words. Uh, so that's what has been proven recently after the attack on Shahrad. They say something and they do something different. Uh, so uh, I, I, in politics you don't say I wouldn't do this. Whenever there's a window of hope that this state or this regime can change its attitude toward uh, respecting your sovereignty, toward more uh, preventing of any bloodletting, in your country, you have to cooperate. It's not a personal relation, it's not hate and love. It's the interest of your own people. So I cannot say uh, this escalation has changed anything because this escalation is the real expression of the reality of the American regime that's been there for decades. It's not a new for, for the United States to do such a thing. So, uh, but you need to, to deal with the United States as a great country at least to refrain it from uh, any harmful uh, effects. Uh, generally, I'm not talking only about, about Syria. When they change their behavior, we already we don't have problem. Have you tried to establish any contacts or uh, do you plan to have contacts with the representatives of the Trump administration? Uh, not really. We don't have any channel now between uh, Syria and uh, uh, the United States regime or administration we don't have. So we just talked about the situation on the north and uh, something is happening there down on the south. Uh, so uh, do you have any information about uh, Jordan's plans to deploy its troops in Syria in coordination with the United States under the pretext of fighting the ISIS? As certain media reported. Hmm. And if this, this is the case, so uh, do you think that there is a threat from the neighboring countries to dismember Syria? We have the, those informations, uh, not only through the media, but through the uh, different sources, because you know, we have the same tribe, the same family living on both sides of the borders, so they can see uh, any changes in the mood or in the logistics uh, any, any new plans of the army, you can see it on the ground. So uh, uh, we have such information. But anyway, uh, Jordan was uh, part of the American plan since the beginning uh, of the war in Syria. Uh, whether he like it or not, he has to obey the, award, uh, the orders of the Americans. Uh, Jordan is not an independent country anyway. Uh, whatever the American wants, it will happen. So if the American wants to use northern part of Jordan against Syria, they're going to use it. So it's not about Jordan. We don't discuss Jordan as a state. We discuss Jordan as land in that case, because it's the United States who define the plan, who define the players, and who endorse everything regarding Syria coming from Jordan, and many of the terrorists coming from Jordan, and of course Turkey, since day one of the war in Syria. Uh, so it uh, changed the situation, the military situation, and as you said, uh, there are threats from the north, from, from the Iraqi part of the border, from, from Jordan, and the uh, military uh, missile attack from the U.S. ships. 
Uh, in this situation, are you going to ask Russia for more help to enhance uh, the Russian assistance, including probably on the ground? Actually, the Russian air forces were very effective and efficient uh, uh, during the last uh, year and a half, a little bit more, uh, in supporting the Syrian army. Uh, and everybody knows that since that support started in 2015, uh, the balance has changed. And we could recapture Palmyra and Aleppo and many other areas. And we could defend it, uh, uh, Hama recently. It was very huge and well-organized attack, but we could repair it. So uh, that support was uh, very uh, efficient. And of course, we shouldn't forget the, the efficient support of the Iranian. Uh, on the guard, they didn't send the troops, but with their officer, with their advisors, uh, they played a very important uh, role. So uh, I don't think now there's a need for ground troops. Uh, sometimes when, they, when there's intense uh, attack on different fronts, as you mentioned, north, east, south, and in the middle, uh, the uh, Russian missiles attack from the sea, mm -hmm. the cruise missiles. Yes. Uh, the Russian strategic bomber uh, came from Russia to attack uh, in Syria. So uh, uh, the, the, the military support, the Russian military support, is not limited to their base in Syria. Actually, they are aware about uh, what the need of the fight. You have this fluctuation, but you don't need troops on the ground till that moment. Maybe in the future, if our enemies and their supporters, uh, the terrorists, uh, the proxies, change their strategy and bring more uh, uh, terrorists from around the world and you have full armies of terrorists at that time, it could be needed. But this moment, I don't think it's needed. What's been done is good and enough. Regarding the future of political settlement, how do you see it, uh, taking into account the low effectiveness of the Geneva talks? And uh, can Astana replace Geneva as a main uh, platform for negotiations? And another question, are there any people with whom you are ready to, uh, to contact, to, to engage in direct talks from the opposition side? I mean, from those who come to Astana, from the military uh, faction or in Geneva? First of all, our estimation of Geneva that it hasn't started yet. Till this moment, nothing. It's a stillborn, it's dead. Because, uh, I mean, if you want to buy utility in the market, the first thing you read on the box is the requirement. What the, what the requirement? for this utility to work properly, to deliver what you expect. The same for anything in this world. If you're talking about Geneva, it could be a good idea. Asatana is a very good idea. But do we have the requirement for these two means to produce? Till that moment, no, because part of this event, which is Russia, Iran, and of course Syria, they are willing to achieve a peaceful solution. Uh, they respect uh, the sovereignty of Syria, they're looking for the unity of Syria, they respect the Charter of the United Nations, the uh, different Security Council resolutions, and so on. While if you look at the other party, the Western Bloc, with their allies in the region and their proxies, of course, they are on the other side. They are using these events only as political umbrella for the terrorists, not for a political solution. So the requirements that to have one objective. Now you don't have one objective, you have different objectives. You have at least two objectives. Uh, you need to discuss it with the other side, let's call them opposition. 
whether they are militants or, or, or political opposition. But they are different factions and they have different point of views. So you're not talking about one entity. So you have so many other requirements that hasn't been provided yet for these initiatives to succeed at this moment. Now, are we ready to say, of course, in Syria we sat with the terrorists. And how, how can we make those reconciliations if we don't sat with them? From the very beginning, we noted that there was no real and genuine political track for the reason that I just mentioned. So we said, let's go and pave the way for your, for your own political track, which is direct negotiations with the terrorists or militants in different areas, and tell them, if you give up your armaments, I will give you amnesty and go back to your normal life. Live normally like any other citizen. Otherwise, if you're not part of this reconciliation, you can live anywhere you want. And that's what's happening today and yesterday and every, every day that's happening from time to time. And that helped the stability in many areas in Syria. And that undermined the terrorists and their masters. So yes, we are ready to sit with whoever could help us stopping this bloodshedding in Syria, whoever. We don't have any problem, we don't have any taboo in that regard. But you don't have any preferences as well? Uh, in what way? What do you mean? In, in, in the way of uh, having some concrete people, uh, concrete names with the, whom the Syrian government can talk directly? No, sometimes you can say I will, I'm going to sit with the political opposition. I wouldn't sit with the militants, let's say. Uh, I would sit with the uh, opposition that uh, not uh, linked to uh, Qatar or to Saudi Arabia or to France and so on. It's not part of the foreigner, uh, foreign agenda against Syria. But at the end, the main uh, question that you're going to ask before start any negotiation, is he, going to, is he able to deliver? What can he do? If I sit with somebody who doesn't have any influence on the ground, on the reality in Syria, what are we going to agree upon? It's just a waste of time. So actually, we are very pragmatic in that regard. We say, let's sit with whoever can change the situation in two ways. The first one is to stop the killing. This is number one. This is priority for every Syrian, not for the government. Every Syrian, if you ask anyone, he'll tell you we need security. We need stability. This is number one. Second, if you want to discuss it politically, we can talk about anything. You can talk about the constitution, the future of Syria, the political system that you want, the economic system, anything else is going to be uh, viable. It won't be complicated that time. But without stability, you cannot achieve anything in any negotiation. That's why I said we went directly to talk to the militant. That is not our favorite, uh, as your question, but is the most uh, effective in the meantime. You've mentioned uh, Qatar and Saudi Arabia, and recently Kazakhstan as a host country of Astana process, yeah. invite, uh, in, not invited, but uh, proposed to invite more countries uh, to this process, including yeah. Qatar and uh, Saudis. Yeah. Uh, how do you think about that? I think the more countries you have, the better, in different ways. Uh, either you either have more support to this initiative and that will protect that initiative and uh, uh, raise the possibility of success, or you have the same country that they're going to oppose it, whether they are part of it or outside. But if they are part of it, you can point at them. You can tell them that you are part of the problem and you have to help. 
And if you are genuine about helping, not only by your discourse and rhetorics, this is the initiative. Be part of it and show us that you are against the terrorism. Show us, show us that you support what the Syrian people want. So in both ways, it's positive to invite whoever wants uh, to come. So I support what, uh, what uh, the Kazakhstani uh, officials uh, announced yesterday about expanding the participation in Astana. And regarding the constitution, uh, have you already started the project that uh, is now debated in Geneva? And uh, what do you think about the proposal of um, withdrawing uh, the word uh, Arab from the name of the country? Again, we don't own as government, we don't own the constitution. It should be a Syrian consensus. If the Syrian doesn't believe in the word of Arab state, what the, mean, what the meaning of having this word just because the government believe? No. We have to be the mirror of the Syrian, the majority of the Syrian, when we say yes uh, or no. Our impression, the majority of the Syrian, they are adhered to this word, because this is their identity. The majority of Syrians are Arabs, and they believe in, in their uh, identity. But again, I wouldn't say that this is right or wrong, till the Syrian have their own say in a referendum, before saying the president said, he support this word, or he's, again, the, uh, that word. It means nothing in, this, in the meantime. Still early to discuss uh, that point. It's not the contention issue. I mean, nobody is discussing it now. Few people in Syria, mainly among the Kurds, uh, mention this uh, issue. It's not a big problem. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, bilateral relations in the uh, economic field. So recently, uh, our Vice Prime Minister Dmitry Agozin has visited Damascus and um, he said that there was an agreement uh, to promote uh, Russian companies in Syria uh, and that uh, he uh, received guarantees from you that Russian companies will be well perceived and have priorities here. So uh, what are the specific mechanisms that were established to, um, to fulfill this purpose? We have our laws uh, regarding uh, how to make contracts with the different companies. We already started with some of the companies after his uh, uh, visit, uh, especially as the Western companies left Syria, not because uh, of the security situation, not for security reason, actually for political reasons. So uh, if you want to call it market, the Syrian market is free now for Russian companies to come and join and uh, uh, to play important part in rebuilding Syria and investing in Syria. The most important part for me, and I think for them as well, is the oil field, the oil and gas. And uh, some Russian companies now uh, joined, let's say, that sector recently during the last few months and uh, the process of um, signing the contract, the final, let's say, steps of signing the contracts is underway. Mm -hmm. So that's how I look at it. Are any concrete negotiations underway with the Russians regarding the purchasing of new air defense systems? Yes, it's, it's always the case before the war and during the war. Of course, uh, we, need no more, uh, we need more armament. Uh, after the war and because of the consumption. And this is a part of the daily relation between the two uh, institutions uh, in the Ministry of Defense in Russia and Syria. 
Uh, has there been any talks uh, of possible non-repayable uh, uh, deliveries, uh, delivery for free from Russia, or is it a commercial contract? In this situation, uh, I mean, I mean our war. Uh, Russia look at, the, at this war as more than Syrian war and more than Syrian-Russian war. I think it's the war of every country that wants to protect its citizen from the terrorists. So when Russia support our army, it not only protect the Syrian citizen, it, all, it all also protect the Russian citizen and I think the European and, and, and others. So for them, they don't look at it as commercial war, like the Americans. When they launch a war, they calculated how much jobs can you create out of this war. They look at it as war that need to protect their citizen, our citizen, other citizens, uh, the position of Russia, the balance, the political balance, uh, the military balance around the world as a great country. So in that regard, you don't look at the armaments as how much do they cost or how much do they bring as uh, benefit or profit.